It's the Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by ANZ Home Loans for financial well-beings. And welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Podcast, available on iHeartRadio every morning and also on Spotify and Apple and wherever you get your podcasts from. Well, it's a Thursday morning. It's back with us. Yes, the 29th day for September for 2022. And coming up this morning, we are talking to Andrew, a mortgage broker there in Melbourne about scraping your money together to secure that property purchase before Christmas. Oh, there you go. I've said the C word. Is it too early? It's probably too early. But on Saturday, we are into the 1st of October, so maybe not. And we're going to be having a look this morning at different ways to putting together your finances with Andrew and the problem that people are facing with banks, recalculating mortgage approvals, which can vary, they can change, and they can stop someone in their tracks once that cash rate does its monthly thing, which is fast approaching, of course, next week. In other words, the goalposts are changing. So we'll have a look at that very shortly. It's your weekday real estate breakfast with news, interviews and predictions every morning on the Real Estate Podcast. And coming up next week, we're going to be looking at the two different sides of the real estate market and realestate.com.au did a nice piece yesterday about some segments of the property market cooling down, of course, slowing down. Vendors are having to meet the market. That is one side of the coin, but commentators and experts alike agree that there is one type of buyer right now that is still keen and is buying at the top end of the market. And from Sydney to Perth and from Brisbane to Hobart, families are driving intense demand for quality properties in leafy pockets close to schools, restaurants, cafes with those great lifestyle amenities. And we'll be taking a look at the bigger picture into that next week right here on The Real Estate Breakfast. If you're celebrating your birthday for today, the 29th, uh, happy birthday to you. Have a fantastic Thursday. A very short list, Julia Gillard. She is celebrating her 61st birthday, Australia's 27th Prime Minister. And from the history books from 1994, a very dark day, the sinking of the MS Estonia. You might remember this, a passenger and car ferry sank in the Baltic Sea, killing more than 800 passengers. It's considered to be the worst maritime peacetime disaster of the 20th century. It's your real estate podcast for breakfast. It's the main centre forecast with PRD, selling smarter every day. Let's check on your weather around Australia. First we go to Sydney. Grab the raincoat because the rain is back on our Thursday morning, expecting a high of 19 degrees. In Melbourne, cloudy skies should be mainly dry though. Temperature not too bad, 18 today. In Brisbane, expecting mostly sunny skies, 27 is your forecast high. And in Perth, almost 30 degrees today. Sunshine with blue skies and enjoy your Thursday in Perth.
We talk with leading property commentators with analysis, predictions, forecasts and what's trending every morning from 6.30. Well, as a result of the mortgage rate rise and the home budget being squeezed, this has had an adverse effect on people's borrowing capacity. I mentioned that Domain has recently reported a couple earning two average incomes of $92,000 each are borrowing 264 thousand dollars less than they could have back in April. So let's sort of dive into this a little bit and welcome in mortgage broker Andrew Wheatley there in Melbourne. And good morning to you, Andrew. Welcome to the Real Estate Breakfast. Uh, Thank you, Craig. And somebody tells me that today is your birthday, mate. Happy birthday. Uh, Thank you. This is probably the only time in my life I'll make the celebrity birthday list. So thank you. Yeah. And I guarantee you that you will never do a podcast again on your birthday. (laughs) Thank you. I'll try to. All right. So yeah, let's just have a look at this because it's not just first home buyers because people buying a second property, valuations, they are changing as we know. So they head off to their bank. Their property is not worth as much as they thought. They can't pull out the sort of equity that they could have maybe six months ago. So that's a factor. Yeah, it absolutely is. Like, uh, say, for example, there's a client of mine that's just recently upsized. So kept her property, turned it into an investment and bought a bigger home for herself. And when we were looking around at lenders, obviously, we're comparing rates and fees and products. But the actual selection we made in the end was we picked the lender that did a valuation on her property that was $150,000 higher than all the other banks we were looking at. And what it meant was at the end of the day, she was able to hold on to $100,000 worth of her savings that she wouldn't have had if we'd gone with one of the other banks with a lower valuation. She might not have bought the property because, you know, it's nice to have some savings left over. So, yeah, looking at those valuations is becoming increasingly important. Yes, and I guess that there's frustration. So how frustrating is it for clients that you're seeing when they get pre-approval for 90 days to buy and then they have that reassessment and suddenly the goalposts, they've changed, they've shifted because they discover they qualify for now smaller loans? Yeah, that's something we've had to get used to as mortgage brokers in the industry as well, because a year ago, if I got pre-approval for someone, I would never question that they would still be approved for that amount a month later or six weeks later. What's happened with things changing so quickly, um, and banks aren't renowned for being fast to adapt to new things. What was happening is people were getting approved for a certain amount, then there'd be a rate rise, then they purchase And the bank would reassess the loan they'd already approved based on the increase in the interest rate and possibly not lend them what they'd originally said they were going to. And it was really stressful and really blindsided a lot of people. So the extra kind of step that for mortgage brokers and for all your listeners out there is if you've got a pre-approval from a bank, you need to ask them what their policy is around that. Are they a bank that when they give you a figure, you you can rely on that number up to a certain date Or do you need to go back to them and find out the new number every time there's a rate rise? It's really important now. 
Oh yeah, and and as I say, that I mean that's just causing the the stress. And we talk about the client and what the client is going through. But I guess as a mortgage broker, mortgage brokers up and down the country are becoming a little bit of a counsellor because they're there. I mean, you're there to just sort of facilitate the process as smoothly as possible. And sometimes I guess you're kind of second guessing the whole process too with all these changes that are taking place, the flux of the market. Yeah, well, we all pride ourselves in our job on being professionals and and being the expert at what we do. So anytime there's a lot of change and you sometimes get caught out by by a change, you feel really responsible for it because we're an outcome-driven industry and, and our job on behalf of the clients is to not get surprised, to not get blindsided. So yeah, when, when there's a lot of change in the industry, it does get pretty stressful, but that's all temporary. Once you learn the new rules and you know what's happening, then it's all fine. And I want to ask you, Andrew, about expectations because that whole realisation of someone who has their expectations in a certain way, it's boxed up. In other words, they know the sort of property that they're going to get because of the money. They know the type of area that they're going to be living in. And then suddenly we have less money to borrow. The expectations have changed. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess there's different categories of, of people here. So look, I'll have some clients, like I'm thinking of um, Peter and Lucy, a couple I've worked with that just bought a property. They had the capacity to borrow about a million dollars from any bank in Australia, and they only wanted to buy something for about 700. So the issue we're talking about doesn't affect them at all because they were never going to get affected. The people it applies to are people who want to borrow up around the maximum. If you're trying to squeeze the most you can out of a bank, then every single time rates change, change that changes for you. Another example is a, a single mum that I'm working with, Scarlett. The price she wants to buy for, around sort of 500000 is pretty much exactly what she can borrow. So the very next rate rise that happens, she's got to reduce the price of the properties that she's looking at. That constant changing of expectation for someone in that situation, you know, I, I think is is really stressful. And again, it's it's not something that we've had to deal with over the last few years. It's just been because of all these rapid uh, rate rises. Yes, and we talked at the start in terms of the market going down and how that is affecting somebody buying their second property. How much of a change do you think there's been for vendors being more open to signing up for the finance clauses in contracts? Are you starting to see that now? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, I say so a year ago, if I'm talking to clients, I would have been saying, when you find the property and it's the right price, don't mess around, get in and buy it. And have your pre-approval lined up and be prepared to make an unconditional offer because if you won't, somebody else probably will and you're going to keep missing out on property. And I had clients who, it cost them a lot of money because they kept missing out, kept missing out while property was rising. But over the last few months, it's certainly tipped more to the side of the people who are buying. Again, another example, a a couple I have just bought a property a couple of weeks ago. We were having this chat and I was starting to talk them up about, you know, same talk. You find the right property. Don't be afraid to get in there and get it. And I said, have you been talking to the agent? They said, oh, yeah, we did talk to the agent. No one's even looked at the property for the last three weeks. They haven't had any offers on it. And I was sort of taken aback and I said, oh, whew, well, in that case, maybe get in and, and make a lower offer and put a finance clause in. They came back the next day and the offer was accepted for 40000 less than they'd told me they were thinking of offering 
with a three-week finance clause. Amazing. I could never have heard that a year ago. Yes, yes, a year ago that just simply was not happening. And in terms of deposits, I think a lot of people are very tunnel visioned with the way that they bring their deposits together. And there are varying ways to do that. So do you think that people should be thinking more creatively on how they put that deposit together, particularly at this moment in time? Oh, that's so true, Craig. We've mainly been talking here about borrowing power. So there's two main things banks are looking at when you buy a property. There's how much can you borrow? That's based on your income and your expenses. But then they're looking at what sort of deposit can, can you put down? There's a real fixation around things like that you have to have a 20% deposit. And somehow it's like everybody in Australia keeps saying, hey, you should never pay mortgage insurance. Like magically no one in Australia ever paid mortgage insurance, which clearly there's a lot of people who are stretching the truth there because there's no way everyone was paying 20% deposits unless their parents were kicking in a, a massive amount. So understanding that, There's about 12 different ways you can provide a deposit. Everything from zero deposit by using family guarantees. If you have family that own property, you can get in, like you can borrow the full purchase price plus the stamp duty, get into the market now instead of waiting, you know, two years to save up a deposit. Some of the government schemes for first time buyers now are the best ones I've ever seen. I'm not usually a big fan of governments. When governments try to solve problems, they usually kind of mess it up. But some of the ones now, they've really got it right. And understanding mortgage insurance that, you know, while you don't want to pay mortgage insurance, if, for example, you've got to pay five or $10,000 and you can buy the property now instead of waiting 12 or 18 months and paying rent for another 12 or 18 months, you really have to weigh up whether that's actually good money spent. There's a lot of ways to skin a cat. And I just encourage people to not get solely focused on, on only having the one way of satisfying the deposit. Yes, indeed. All right, well, we'll leave it there, birthday boy. You have yourself a fantastic uh, Thursday morning. I hope somebody's ordered the cake. And thank you so much for coming on to the Real Estate Breakfast this morning. Thank you, Craig. My pleasure. We connect you to the best real estate information across Australia. The Real Estate Podcast. 